I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News. Back when they made the sequel Home Alone, one of the all-time classic Christmas movies, right? When they made the sequel to Home Alone, it was called Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. And it took the characters and it set them right down in the middle of Midtown Manhattan. And to, to establish that this was a movie whose story was in New York and was being told in New York, they had a cameo from Donald Trump. A lot of people don't know that because now when a lot of the woke channels air Home Alone 2 around the holidays, they've edited that out. It's, it, it, norm, it normalizes him. We can't have that. It's upsetting. But at one time, Donald Trump was emblematic of New York. So if you were putting a cameo of Donald Trump in a movie, you were saying, we're in New York. Exclamation point. When I lived in New York, before I came here, this was the early 90s, and they had their big uh, I Love New York tourism ad campaign that was on television and radio, and you, it was everywhere. You remember it. Donald Trump was in the advertising. He was part of how they promoted that you should come to New York City and New York State. Donald Trump was the toast of New York not too long ago. And we've talked about this before. He was... He was the guy that all these people that now say he's a threat to democracy and he's dangerous and he's toxic, he was the guy they wanted a photo with. He was the guy, he was the guy they invited to their parties and their weddings or wanted invitations to his. Donald Trump built some of the most iconic projects in New York City and around New York City. And until recently, his name wasn't on a lot of those things. His name has been taken off some of those things as a business consideration because of the recent get Trump mentality that now permeates New York politics. So all of this is to set up what, what is one of our big stories today. And that is that, uh, Judge Engeron came down with his verdict in the civil fraud case. This is the, the case that accused Trump of inflating the value of his holdings when dealing with banks and financial institutions and insurance companies. He inflated his holdings. He inflated his net worth. He overestimated the value of things. And they hit him with a $350-plus fine and barred him and his family from doing business in the state of New York for, I think, it's two years. Um, when you think about this verdict, it's tempting to immediately see it as part of the um, get Trump, stop him from getting back into office. But there's a lot of other things wrong with this, uh, not the least of which is apparently from all the legal experts I've heard and read today, none of them have ever heard of a fraud case with damages where there wasn't a victim, where there wasn't somebody on the other side saying, I was diminished, I was reduced. The victim seems to be Trump. The victim of his alleged fraud can't be found. Loans were repaid. Banks set the values. They don't simply take your word for it. Same thing with insurance companies. You you can give them your estimation, your valuation. It doesn't mean they drink it down. 
You might also say his sons are the victims because I don't believe they were even involved in his business at the time that he was setting these values, but they're also banned uh, from doing business. And, of course, this comes the day after we had uh, Fannie Willis's testimony uh, in, uh, in Atlanta. And isn't it interesting that Fannie Willis did essentially what Donald Trump is often accused of doing and what he's accused of doing by this judge, Judge Ingeron. Uh Fannie Willis was a blabbermouth in the courtroom. Fannie Willis couldn't control herself. She showed up like a, you know, like a <laughs> hurricane. Um, and interrupted the judge and talked over the lawyers and expanded her answers way beyond the things that she was asked. She was self-righteous, defensive, all the things that Judge Engeron has accused Trump of being. So we're going to talk about the uh, civil fraud verdict uh, with one of our legal experts coming up, and I want to talk about that with you at 210 Five nine nine fifty five fifty five. I was thinking about uh, Fannie Willis today. Her father testified today. Her father's a former New Black Panther guy, and he gave testimony that I found inexplicable. I, I, again, there's a lot of confusion about why you would bring him in. He was saying he didn't know anything about the stuff she's accused of. But I was thinking today about the defenders of Fannie Willis, because she has them, and if you happen to tune in any of the, like, MSNBC or CNN last night, they were really in full-throated defense. One of the things that you'll hear people say a lot about people who are in the position Fannie Willis is in, Kamala Harris is in, Barack Obama was in, I've heard this many times also from black friends of mine and, and business associates and people I've worked with over the years. I've heard the statement, and it's put different ways, so I'm just going to paraphrase it, that if you're a black man or a black woman in this world, you have to be better, you have to be more above reproach, you have to be, you have to work harder, you have to come earlier and stay later, and you're, you have to overcome the Whatever the overcoming is, maybe it's the stereotypes, maybe it's the racism, maybe it's systemic. But I've often heard it said, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I've often heard it said, you have too, that it's hard to be a prominent African American fill in the blank because people are waiting for you to trip waiting for you to fall, waiting to say, see, he or she couldn't do it, he or, see, he or she shouldn't have uh, been there. Okay, so you've heard that, right? I've heard that. Now, let's just say for a minute, let's be logical here for a minute. If a lot of people say it, maybe it's true. Maybe that really is something that you live with, and you're aware of all the time. 
if you're in the position Fonnie Willis was in. She's an African-American woman who's running the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. If that's true, and if that's something she has to be aware of, how the hell do you explain the way she was doing this? If this is somebody who says, it's, it's hard to be me because everybody wants me to fall and everybody's waiting for me to trip up, why are you taking cash out of your campaign funds and keeping it at home for incidentals? Why are you not paying your taxes? Why are you hiring your boyfriend, paying him with county money, and then giving him the campaign cash by the fistful? Why are you... I'm, I'm trying to understand, because you, you're telling me, I'm hearing this argument all over the place, that you have to be above reproach. It's an extra burden. It's an extra... Um, Challenge. So I'm thinking, well, then you would be dotting your T, you know, dotting your I's and crossing your T's and keeping your records. And it, because it, if you've ever been in the situation, and I'm not saying I have, but if you've ever been in a situation like at work or something where somebody was out to get you or somebody was looking for an excuse, didn't that make you more careful? She was reckless. She was crazy reckless. She was like the Kardashians. She was the opposite of what I have always heard you have to be to make it in this white-dominated world. I'm, I'm just trying to understand that. That doesn't add up for me here. 210-599-5555. Now, the uh, Kansas City story has taken another turn. They've got two juveniles. Originally, they had detained three, determined that one was not involved. They've got two. As of a few hours ago, they hadn't named them. Maybe they have since, but last time I checked, they hadn't named them. But these are the two that were exchanging gunfire that resulted in the death of a woman and the injuries to 22 people at the Kansas City Chiefs Parade. And... Police are saying cryptically that it appears to have been a dispute between several people. So you and I know what that probably means, what that is a way of saying. These were either gangs or just kind of like ne'er-do-wells. It was not terrorism. It wasn't somebody trying to spray gunfire at the parade goers. It wasn't an attack on the parade. It was, as we kind of speculated about yesterday, it was probably violence that happened adjacent to the parade and, and unfortunately and sadly caught up the parade goers in it. Now, if that's true, if that's true, then, and I'm not saying this to be dismissive and I don't mean this to be disrespectful, the victims at the parade were the victims of the street crime of Kansas City. And Kansas City and its politicians have no business lecturing the country about the need for gun control laws or even any new laws because what it sounds like, and again, maybe this will change, but it sounds like this was the result 
of a criminal atmosphere on the streets of this city. In other words, the streets were dangerous. And people went downtown and they went to the parade and they probably were not thinking that because you wouldn't. But the leadership of Kansas City didn't keep its city safe. They haven't done their job. They haven't, they haven't dealt with crime effectively. And so you're not safe if you're standing around in large groups and a couple of gangs or elements come along and they get into a gunfight, you're not safe. That sounds like what happened here. So why are we still getting lectures from Joe Biden? Why are we still getting lectures from Democratic senators and congressmen from all over the country? Why are they just delivering the talking points that they pretty much have laminated on a card and hung around their neck on a chain for every time there's a gun death? Why are they exploiting this tragedy for political gain? Why aren't they talking about the fact that cities aren't safe places? What are we going to do about that? What are we doing about that? What are we doing to make them unsafe? How many cities have DAs like we have here in Bear County that are making them more unsafe, that are putting criminals back on the street, that are sending a message that you will get away with it? And deflating and demoralizing the police that they formerly wanted to defund, now they just want to kick them in the shins by putting a revolving door on the jails and the prisons. That's what happened. What happened was not the, the, the lack of gun laws, the lack of gun control. The people that run our cities, who are almost all Democrats, don't have our cities under any kind of control. They are uh, lawless, and they are dangerous. And so when you have an event like this, it just puts more people in the path of the bullets that are going to be fired anyway. Maybe the story will change. That's how it looks to me right now. We're going to talk about all of this. Donald Trump is a serial, brazen, big talker. He's an exaggerator. I mean, we, you know, everybody knows it. Um, he misreported the square footage of his penthouse in Trump Tower by threefold. He said it was three times bigger than it actually is. This is what he does. If I know that, and I'm just an idiot radio guy, and we all know that from just the exposure to him as a public figure, then I would think the insurance companies, the banks that were uh, extending him loans or uh, valuing his properties, I'm pretty sure they knew it too. But we are to believe that this verdict today from Judge Engeron is a reflection of how he was pulling the wool over everybody's eyes. New York City is the financial capital of the world. If they can't see through Donald Trump's big talk, then they ain't worth the reputation they have, are they? I mean, I'm sorry, but Brazen is his middle name. And um, it's it's emblematic, it's audacious, it's kind of crazy. 
But no one was actually defrauded, harmed. He didn't default on the loans. And the banks testified and said, we would not have priced the loans any differently than we did. We're not feeling badly about it because we didn't take him at his word. And probably a lot of people, I, I would imagine there are a lot of people like him, maybe not maybe not exactly like him, but I'm sure there's a lot of big talk and exaggeration. It's New York City, right? I mean, you, when you meet people from New York City, they, they kind of have a swagger, they kind of have a, a thing, and it's can be charming. But everybody knows it. Um, so what we have here is, obviously, Letitia James ran for Attorney General of New York on the promise that she would get him. There's all kinds of video out there about her gleefully bragging. And... Um, now they've got this giant fine, which will be appealed. But I think there's two things to look at with the appeal. Are they appealing the the amount of the fine, which might be subject to some adjustment, or are they appealing the, the notion of the judge's decision, which probably isn't going to be changed? Um, you know... It's also interesting to me, remember how put out, it's, it seems like a million years ago, but remember when Ron DeSantis was running for president? I mean, that seems like ages ago, but cast your mind back. You know the guy, right? Florida governor? Okay. Guy's running for president. Remember how he was going after Disney and he was taking them on over their special taxing district in the land around uh, the Disney World properties in central Florida? And remember how put out the liberal media were and the Democrats were? Remember they were, they were talking about how here is a, here is a politician making points, making himself popular or populist by attacking a business in his state. He has no grounds. This arrangement with Disney has preexisted all the previous Florida governors going back to the 19, I think 60s or 70s and why would all of a sudden there be a problem? Well, it's because all of a sudden there's one of them running for president. It's funny how they were very, very offended by that. I mean, really constipated about it. But they don't see it here. They don't see it with Letitia James and Arthur Engeron. It's different. Don't even bring that up, right? Yeah, okay. 210-599-5555. Friday edition of the Jack Riccardi Show. You can jump in at 210-599-5555. Bill Pyatt is a professor of law at St. Mary's University School of Law. Joins us now in the Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. Professor, as you know, but just by way of explanation for everybody else, the, the way they do the courts in New York State is a little bit different. The highest court is not the New York State Supreme Court. It's the New York Court of Appeals, to which Trump could appeal this uh, verdict today, this civil fraud verdict of over $350 million and the business ban. Um, I wanted to get your take on the way the judge ruled and how an appeal or, or, or on what element an appeal might be, might be based. Okay. Uh, thank you for having me on, Jack. Uh, I am not licensed in New York, haven't practiced there, but I do have an appreciation, I think, for some of the constitutional issues, at least, that are being raised. Um, 
there's a line of cases and the Supreme Court has adopted this line that says you can't really impose punitive damages wildly in excess of the actual damages in a case, in an ordinary civil case. And in this case, as you pointed out, there's nobody who was able to testify that they'd lost any money, any of the lenders, as a result of these evaluations. Um, these were sophisticated lenders. They took their time to do their own evaluations of the property, and there was no victim that came forward. So it's hard to find actual damages. This $355 million, which, by the way, there's also interest tacked on that could add another $100 million to it, these damages appear to exceed by many times any actual damages that anybody suffered as a result of these transactions. So there might be that due process angle. There's another thing that's kind of curious about the decision. When you read the judge's words, he says, I'll quote him just briefly, uh, talking about Trump and his sons and his business associates, their complete lack of contrition and remorse borders on pathological. They're accused only of inflating asset values to make more money. This is a venial sin, not a mortal one. Defendants did not commit murder or arson. They didn't rob a bank at gunpoint. Donald Trump is not Bernard Madoff. Yet the defendants are incapable of admitting the error of their ways. So he's putting the defendants, Trump included, in this catch-22 situation where we accuse you of wrongdoing. And if you say you didn't, then you're showing no remorse and therefore we get to punish you. Mm. So is the punishment being inflicted, if I was Donald Trump's attorneys, is the punishment being inflicted because he defrauded somebody? Or is the punishment being inflicted because he's guilty of a thought crime? He won't in his own mind say he's guilty and beg for mercy um those are just a couple of thoughts that popped up yeah. at the top of top of my head i'm sure that his attorneys well versed in new york law will find some other procedural and substantive arguments to make on an appeal would the more fertile ground for an appeal be the the damage number the total or the the way in which um you know, liability was was assessed because I could see an appeals court saying, "We're we're going to reduce the the damages, or we're going to send it back to you guys to retry for lower damages." But we still we agree with the with the with the findings. The judge, the way I read it, and you, you obviously read it with more erudition than I do, but the judge basically goes through and talks about or recapitulates each witness's testimony and then gives his opinion on whether that was credible or not right right is that normal is that how you would normally write a decision like this no ordinarily a judge would write up findings of fact and then the conclusions of law and enter a judgment this judge went beyond just findings of fact he put in there all the reasons why he found witnesses to be credible or not credible because he doesn't want an appellate court to do a de novo review or doesn't even want an appellate court to send it back for another evaluation. He wants to convince the appellate court that he took everything into account. He didn't overlook anything and that he made these findings. And ordinarily, appellate courts are going to defer to a, to a trial judge in terms of the way the witnesses appeared. Well, you know what else I found interesting? Um, we're talking with uh, Bill Pyatt from St. Mary's University School of Law and KTSA. I, if you remember when the Robert Hur report on President Biden's uh, deposition came out, he was dinged by a lot of Biden defenders, right, Professor, for his um, 
if you will, judgment or description of the president as well-mannered, elderly, forgetful, uh, well, well-intentioned, elderly, forgetful. And, and the, the knock on her was he went beyond his brief, he went beyond his qualifications. Who is he to say uh, these things about the president's uh, mental uh, capacity? Why aren't those same people offended at Engeron basically sitting there going, I know, I can tell who's lying and I can tell who's credible and I, I didn't like Trump's uh, actions and attitude in my courtroom. I mean, it's, it sounds like, again, these are, these are beyond the, the, the norms of, of how you would write an opinion. Going back to the her uh, document, he did say those things, but he did so to justify his decision not to prosecute Biden. Right. Uh, Biden benefited from her saying he's a well-intentioned but uh, out-of-it-old man. This judge, Ert Engeron, he went out of his way to try to identify problems that he saw with attitudes, with lack of remorse, in order to stick on a huge punishment that maybe $400 million. What, um, what Engeron didn't do, though, is he didn't invoke the equivalent of a death penalty. He bars Trump from three years from participating basically in management, but he didn't bar him from permanent participation in businesses in New York. Uh, that might help save the judge's determination on appeal. But I think you were right. Going back to what you said earlier, there's a very good possibility the court, appellate court could do two things. Number one, uphold the findings and the conclusions, but reduce the penalty, saying it looks like it was excessive because it exceeded any actual damages, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know that, you know, I don't know the politics. And I, again, I don't know New York law and procedure, so I couldn't venture a guess as to whether or not an appeals court is going to do that. In the short term, though, legally, Trump has to post a bond if he's going to appeal. He's got to produce proof that if he loses an appeal, that the judgment would be paid. So that means he's got to either pledge his own assets or he's got to find a commercial bond writer that would submit a bond guaranteeing payment if the appeal doesn't go Trump's way. I thought it was also interesting, Trump's two adult sons came out today and said that they're mystified as to why they are named in this and fined uh, in this when they were not part of the valuations, uh, the claims about square footage. Uh, they didn't participate in that uh, at all, which sort of further lends itself to the theory that this is a get-the-Trumps uh, case. Yes, and in that case, those those two individuals might also have First Amendment claims that they're being punished for their association with their father, not for anything they did, but for who they are. Well, it even makes me wonder, in terms of the, the intention of all of this, that what's called lawfare, and I know that's a phrase we're all getting tired of, it seems like it's not only aimed at Trump and his organization, but it's also a warning to other people in his universe that they should distance themselves from him. That um, if you don't, if you've been or are doing business with him, um, you may be named, you may be caught up in, you may come under the attention of a of a Fannie Willis or one of these other cases. And um, it's a, it's a, it's really kind of a that's a nice business you have there. It would be a shame if anything happened to it kind of warning. Yes, I think that's that's a valid interpretation of the effect that that uh, decision today could have. What about this? Uh, now, elsewhere in New York today, uh, they set a date, March 25th, for the hush money case. Um, this was the uh, deal where uh, Trump, 
uh, or through uh, his associates, um, paid money to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal to uh, quash uh, the story that was going to run about uh, their relationships. Um, so we're now starting to see, right, Professor, this is the beginning of like the uh, crowding of the calendar, right? We've got uh, this ruling today. Um, we've got the Georgia trial. We've got this coming up later next month. The the um, he he's going to be a frequent flyer, I guess, if he plans to go to all these, right? Well, yes, and the uh, the uh, the matter that you just referred to, the other New York case. This is off the top of my head, but I think those actions occurred in 2016. The previous DA decided not to prosecute. Then all of a sudden they decide to prosecute, and then they ask for a trial, and they're granted a trial right in the middle of the primary season that could extend into the uh, general election season, depending on how how long it drags out. I don't think it takes too much to connect the dots to think there could be some agreement among a number of jurists, Mm. prosecutors, attorneys to try to coordinate putting all of these things on the docket at the same time that we're going to be running a primary campaign and then a general election campaign. Well, if you can't prove that they coordinated, it certainly does raise the question. I mean, just looking at the the inflating his property values thing, Donald Trump has been Donald Trump for decades. Where was the concern about this when he was the toast of the town, writing books, appearing on morning shows, uh, going to all the right parties, being photographed with all the right people? Uh, You know, why all of a sudden now is is a case the likes of which has never been brought being brought and and that answer the question obviously answers itself right well yes and you have the attorney general who campaigned on a theme of getting trump and she made extrajudicial statements about the trial throughout that anybody else would be disciplined by the bar associations mm-hmm. for so there's there are, there are many many legal issues that are going to be left to be untangled i'm going to be teaching my students about trump cases for However long I'm there teaching. <laughs> you've, you've got a lot, of, a lot of class material. I can see that. Professor, thank you for the time this afternoon. We do appreciate it. Uh, we'll we'll uh, hopefully speak to you again soon. Thank you, Jack. All right, 210-599-5555. Alex is on the Jack Riccardi Show on KTSA. Alex, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jack. Thanks for taking my call. Always good to hear from the professor. He always has great insights. And, of course, your show is regularly listen to on my radio. So I used to be a mortgage loan officer. So going to this valuation and how all these people were lied to about valuations and all that. Well, when you do a loan on that's tied to property, you do this little thing called an appraisal. I don't take the word of my client that says, hey, my $200,000 house is worth a half a million dollars. Well, then, by all means, that's what we're going to lend you. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So, so you can throw everything else out. This judge has decided he's the one that's deciding valuations on properties. Who who is going to be drug into this thing? I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of take a little bit of a left here. So we just found out about this guy, one of Vladimir Putin's political enemies, dying today or yesterday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're seeing that in a microcosm right now. You're, they're using the courts to try to get Trump, A, 
convicted, and if they can, they'll throw him in jail. Believe me, they will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, and if they can make sure he's not around, they will. And I don't mean just not around. Yeah, no, I, I do. I I do know what you mean, and that the thoughts occurred to me. Uh, as well, I'm sure it's occurred to the people around him. Um, and yeah, to your point about just sort of big talk, if there's ever been a city in the history of humankind where they were known for big talk, exaggeration, everything's bigger, it's New York City. You cannot tell me that banks and financial institutions don't see a guy like Trump coming. You You, you can't tell me they didn't know, they haven't dealt with this before, they aren't dealing with it now, I'm sure they are. I mean... He he was, and at one time this was part of his charm, right, Alex? I mean, the guy was a he was he was a big talker, and yeah, everything he, was, he did was yeah. the biggest and the best and the shiniest. So all of a sudden, they're shocked by this. Well, and and going back to to lending law, okay, two thousand and eight. So there now is a a, a a agency, the CFPB. Okay, mm-hmm. that oversees all mortgage lending. They are a totally independent agency. They are not. They they have their own oversight. Okay, right. and some of the laws that came about then was exactly to this point. Okay, because you did have a lot of collusion between realtors, lenders, yeah. and investors that were overinflating the value of properties so that they could lend. You know, you'd have a, an appraiser. You know, the realtor tells the appraiser, hey, man, I need this thing to appraise for 400 grand. Okay. Well, how much is it worth to you? Well, two grand. Okay, right. good. You get a, you get a $400,000 appraisal. Well, that's what right. the CFPB makes sure doesn't happen anymore. Right. Right. So all of, you can throw all this stuff out because that judge yeah. didn't use any legal precedent to just decide yeah. this is how much all this stuff is worth. And, and again, to Professor Pyatt's point, Show me who got hurt here. Where are the damages to all these banks that made millions and probably billions of dollars on those loans? Very well Show said. Very hurt. well said, Alex. Yeah, no, I agree. I got to hold right. you. Thank you, though. Appreciate having you. Uh, Alex, uh, our last caller, mentioned uh, the uh, death of the Putin opponent, Navalny. We're going to talk about that after five because that's a there's a whole... There's a whole lot more to that than what you're hearing today, and we got to get into that. And we will. Uh, plus your votes today in the JR poll. Uh, there is a uh, report that uh, they're considering having Donald Trump deliver the Republican State of the Union response when President Biden gives the State of the Union uh, coming up uh, later this month. And uh, so we're asking you, do you think Trump should be the GOP response? Let's listen in right now to live comments here on KTSA from New York, Attorney General Letitia James. To unjustly enrich himself, his family, and to cheat the system. Donald Trump may have authored the art of the deal, but he perfected the art of the steal. This long-running fraud was intentional, egregious, illegal. And he did it all of this, he did all of this with the help of the other defendants, his two adult sons, and senior executives at the Trump Organization. And so, after 11 weeks of trial, we showed the staggering extent of his fraud and exactly how Donald Trump and the other defendants deceived banks, insurance companies, and other financial institutions for their own personal gain. We proved just how much Donald Trump 
his family, and his company unjustly benefited from his fraud. Today, the court, once again, ruled in our favor, and in favor of every hard-working American who plays by the rules. Donald Trump and the other defendants were ordered to pay $463.9 million. That represents $363.9 million in disgorgement, plus $100 million in interest, which will continue to increase every single day until it is paid. Donald Trump, the former chief financial officer of the Trump Organization, Alan Weisselberg, and the former controller of the Trump Organization, Jeffrey McConney, are each banned from serving as an officer or director of any New York company for three years. Mr. Weisselberg and Mr. McConney are also banned for life from serving in a financial management role in any New York company. Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump are banned from serving as an officer or director of any New York company for two years. And Donald Trump and his companies are banned from applying for loans from any New York bank or financial institution for three years. A new independent director of compliance will be created at the Trump Organization to ensure the company establishes... All right, so this is the Attorney General of New York State who ran uh, on a promise to do what she uh, brought to completion today with the ruling of Judge Engeron uh, getting uh, Trump hit with a $355 million uh, in damages uh, verdict uh, and barring him from serving as an officer or director of any business or corporation in New York for three years. It's also a bar or a ban on, as, as you heard her mention, his adult sons and others in his organization. 550 KTSA and FM 1071, breaking news. KTSA News Time 506. Donald Trump now giving his take on today's judgment in his New York civil case. We join that coverage. Great cash, great buildings, great everything. It affects New York. It's mostly talking about New York, where we have a totally corrupt attorney general. She campaigned on the fact that I will get Trump, I will get Trump. Everybody's seen it. Leticia James, they've all seen it. Well, we'll be appealing. But more important than that, this is Russia, this is China. This is the same game. All comes out of the DOJ. It all comes out of Biden. It's a witch hunt against his political opponent, the likes of which our country has never seen before. You see it in third world countries, banana republics, but you don't see it here. So I just want to say this. You build a great company. There was no fraud. The banks all got their money, 100%. They love Trump. They testified that Trump is Great, great customer, one of our best customers. They testified beautifully, and the judge knows that. He's just a corrupt person. And we knew that from the beginning. We knew it right from the beginning, because he wouldn't give it to the commercial division. This judge thought Mar-a-Lago is worth $18 million, and it's worth anywhere from 50 to 100 times that amount. So we realized that. He ruled against me before he even got the case. He ruled against me. He said I was guilty. He didn't know what I was guilty of before he even got the case. And Letitia James, that's another case altogether. She's a horribly corrupt attorney general, and it's all having to do with election interference. There were no victims, because the banks made a lot of money. They made $100 million. And by the way, I paid 
approximately $300 million in taxes as the migrants come in and they take over New York. I paid over this period of years over $300 million in taxes, and they want me out. Oh, let's see if we can get them out. These are radical left Democrats. They're lunatics, and it's election interfering. So I just want to thank you for being here. Uh, we'll appeal. We'll be successful, I think, because, frankly, if we're not successful, New York State is gone. People are moving out of New York State. And because of this, they're going to move out at a much faster rate. They used a statute. It's a consumer fraud statute that's never been used for a thing like this before. They used it on me because I'm running for president. I'm beating Biden by a lot. We're beating not only the Republicans, we're beating Biden by a lot. The poll came out today. We're up 20 points on Biden. If I weren't running, none of this stuff would have ever happened. None of these lawsuits would have ever happened. Nothing would, I would have had a nice life, but I enjoy this life for a different reason. We're going to make America great again. These are corrupt people. These are people that shouldn't be allowed to do the things they do. And they're using this as weaponization against a political opponent who's up a lot in the polls and always will be because I'm competing with a man who can't put two sentences together, who doesn't know what he's doing. And we're heading into a third world war because of this guy. We have to win this election. They're doing everything possible to step in a way, but we're not going to stand for it. So thank you very much. We will get back to work. Uh, it's a ridiculous award. This is a fine of $355 million for doing a perfect job, for having paid back a loan with no defaults, with no problems. The banks were totally, t you know, at the trial, they testified. We had an expert witness. Listening to President, uh, former President Trump speak at Palm Beach uh, in the wake of the Judge Engeron decision this afternoon, live coverage on KTSA. ...in the country for doing this kind of thing, expert witness. He said, this is one of the greatest financial statements I have ever witnessed before. And he talked about even the detail. So my numbers actually were extremely conservative. They saw this. So what the judge did is he brought down certain values like Mar-a-Lago, made it ridiculous. But the expert, after having all of this, testified it's one of the best financial statements he's ever seen. And I was honored by that. But I also knew we have a corrupt judge. He's not a respected man. And again, I said before, he's been overturned on this case by the appellate division four times already. It's a record. Nobody's ever been overturned on one case four times. And I think very importantly, and I think ultimately the most important, we've employed tens of thousands of people in New York, and we paid taxes like few other people have ever paid in New York. And they don't care about that. They, it's, a, it's a state that's going bust. It's a state that's going bust because everybody's leaving. And it's all headed up by Biden, who's destroying our country. So this is Russia. This is China. This is what you've been reading about all your lives. And it's happening right here in our country. Thank you very much. We will stop it. We will make America great again. You have my word. Thank you very much. President, uh, former President Donald Trump, not taking questions, sounds like, right? Uh, standing out in front of uh, his door um, at Mar-a-Lago, uh, speaking to, uh, I guess, reporters. It sounded like they were at some distance from him. And uh, I know the audio on that was not great, but I think you could basically hear what he was saying. And it's it's more or less what he has been saying during 
the trial, which today uh, ended with uh, Judge Arthur Engeron ruling that Trump and his organization are on the hook for three hundred and fifty plus million dollars in fines and damages, uh, plus much more as it will compound in interest daily. You heard the Attorney General of New York say that number will go up every day, uh, and then he. His two adult sons, Eric and Donald Jr., the other officers in the Trump organization, like the CFO, cannot uh, participate in any New York corporation in the in the next three years. He is saying, we're going to appeal this. He is saying they're chasing businesses out of New York, and it's going to hurt New York because I've helped New York by being here. So we'll talk about that, 210-599-5555. Wayne is on the Jack Riccardi Show. Wayne, good afternoon. Hey, Jack. Uh, good afternoon to you. Listen, <laughs> I know when I'm, I'm hearing, you know, you making all the analogies about, you know, Trump was doing business for all those years and, you know, he was Trump. Trump is Trump. And I agree. You're right. A hundred percent. But we're living in a, a, a situation now where the, the court system is corrupt. Nobody cares about the Constitution anymore. And it's all because of Donald Trump. I mean, whether you like the guy or not. The situation now is all these people's emotions is nothing but pure D hate for him. So if you're an average American citizen and you go into the polls, the only thing that I can see is that, you know, you, you absolutely have to hate Trump if you don't realize that what's going on here is corrupt, crazy, crooked. Hmm. I, I feel, Wayne, like it's not just – him though this is when you when you start down this road you're going to do this to anybody that gets in your way you're going to oh, you, you're going to weaponize justice uh and weaponize uh this kind of harassment against anybody so when i hear when i hear republicans who don't like trump say it would be so much easier if we ran somebody else and we could just discuss the issues they're dreaming they're delusional because whoever you run will be subjected to this kind of, uh, you know, attack. Maybe not exactly this, but from this playbook, right? Oh, absolutely, and I agree, Jack, one hundred percent. But they also that- know that the Democrats know that Republicans won't do this to them. You won't find a like a red state where they're driving out Jeff Bezos or they're driving out, uh, you know, um, Bill Gates. So. They have the confidence that they can run this on anybody. They have the confidence it won't be run on them. And yeah, they're kind of drunk on this right now. And when you're drunk, you're not making logical decisions and, and you're not making decisions that can be, uh, you know, rationalized away. I, I don't know where this ends, but I do think he's right that if you're a businessman, you don't want to be in a state where the elected officials can get more popular by taking you down. You're going to stay in places where you can do business and and have rule of law and it's going to hurt it's going to hurt blue states. New York and California are going to be very um barren places if this keeps up. Well, absolutely. And they're killing capitalism because you're right. I mean, here's a guy that's a success, successful businessman and it's like, okay, so who's next? I mean, these people got anything they want at their fingertips to take down people. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's really crazy. Yeah. Wayne, some good points. Good to have you. Thank you. I wanted to play. We didn't get this in yesterday. Uh, I wanted to play this from Fannie Willis on the uh, 
on the witness stand uh, when she was at one point vexed about the questions and the motions made by uh, attorney Ashley Merchant. Cut number three. Listen to this. True that you met Mr. Wade October 2019. Judges conference. We haven't gotten to the point where Miss Willis should be treated hostile. I think we have. I very much want to be here, so I'm not a hostile witness. I very much want to be. Not so much that you're hostile, Miss Willis, to be an adverse witness. Your interests are opposed to Miss Merchant's. Miss Merchant's interests are contrary to democracy, Your Honor, not to mine. All right. Let's proceed. We can keep things moving. Everybody's democracy. Everybody's democracy. Uh, you can't do that to me. I'm democracy. You're an attack on democracy. You're a threat to democracy. I'm a threat to democracy. You can't exist because you're a threat to democracy. You know what? We're not even a democracy. Number one. We're a republic. We have elements of a democracy. We have the spirit of a democracy. We're a republic. But also, all of this, it should be, it should be off, off limits. There should be red velvet ropes around the word. I'm tired. I'm so tired of every newspaper, news organization, hack politician defining their fortunes and their survival and their advancement as democracy. And, you know, here's a tip. The people that protest the most about being democracy are usually, in fact, its uh, enemy. <laughs> they were actually the ones endangering it. All right. Speaking of which, we got shocking news today that a man named Alexei Navalny had died at a prison in Siberia. And the... I, I say shocking, but maybe not. Uh, he, he, he and Putin have been enemies for a long time. Putin tried to kill him before. And um, he died at a prison under circumstances we don't really know yet. The official version he, he, is he was walking around and he collapsed. Uh, but obviously there could be a lot more uh, to it. He was at a uh, sort of infamous penal colony or prison in Siberia when this happened his wife came out and made a very intrepid statement uh, she was at an event ironically with vice president harris and um harris secretary blinken everybody is saying the right things about alexei navalny um but i, I want to put a little context on this because this is not as simple as it sounds you may remember how we first heard about Navalny. Um, this was the uh, underwear poisoning assassination attempt. They tried to kill him, the FSB, tried to kill him by putting poison in the seams of his underwear. And the way we know this is that Navalny, who was an opposition leader, who was a thorn in the side of Vladimir Putin, trapped in a phone call that he recorded the guy that was running the assassination plot. Uh, I forget the guy's name. It's not important. 
So this all came out like five years ago, and it was a big deal. He gets the guy on the phone. He pretends to be the guy's one of the guy's superiors. He he is posing as somebody in the FSB talking to this man, and the 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 would be assassin is explaining that the plot didn't work because they got the poison in Navalny's underwear, but Navalny's plane landed early, and he received medical care he wasn't supposed to receive. So he got the care he wasn't supposed to get, you know, the treatment for the poison, plus he got it earlier than he would have if the plane had landed on time. The, the, the plot was going to be they'll never get to him in time and we're not going to treat him even if we do, and he'll die of the poisoning. They saved him. Modern medicine saved him. And and Navalny made a tape of the conversation where he basically gets a Russian government agent to admit that they had intended to kill him. Very, very dramatic stuff. There is a rumor, which I don't know if if it's true, but I love this story. There is a rumor that subsequent to this whole thing, Putin has an aide put on his underwear every day before he puts it on. Get it? Remember like in the old days, the king would have a food taster so the king's food wouldn't be poisoned by a would-be court rival. Okay, so I don't know if that's true. It sounds ridiculous, but supposedly people believe that Putin has like a a food taster for his underwear, which sounds like a terrible job, incidentally. I want to say this. Uh, Navalny's death is, of course, a, a, a tragedy, and it's a loss. But it's also a major political football. The way they're reporting it today, you would think that Alexei Navalny is the second most famous man in Russia. He's not. A great many Russians have never heard of him. What he is, is a cause here in the West for people that want to gin up more aid to Ukraine and buttress the argument that we need to be in this war, this is our war, Putin is horrible, there'd be democracy in Russia if Putin didn't keep killing, um, you know, people like Navalny. It's just not true. I mean, I'm not diminishing the man, but that is a convenient lie being told by American and Western politicians. It is not true. Navalny is not very well known in Russia for, for obvious reasons. It's not like when Putin has an opponent, it's a 50-50 election or the person gets a lot of media. I mean, think about it, right? I mean, logic would tell you anyone that is a thorn in the side or a rival to Putin gets nothing. So he's not well known. He's not popular. He's not imminently about to become the next president of Russia. Well, now he isn't because he's dead, but I mean when he was alive. It's not to take away from his 
Courage, his wife, said some wonderful things today. She seems like an amazing person, his widow. But this is gross manipulation. And let me tell you how we know that. Navalny has been at this for years. Where were all these people? Where were all the Kamala Harris's and the Tony Blinkens and all these other people? Where have they been? When he was in prison, why weren't they demanding that he be let out? Why was there a crusade? Why weren't we talking about him every day? In the Cold War, when we had Sakharov and Solzhenitsyn, we talked about them every day. American presidents and American politicians, and every time they went to Russia, and every time they met with a Soviet official, let them out, free them, free the Sakharovs. They, they never talked about this. And so they're using his death, crassly, in yet another attempt to scare and, I guess you could say, coerce or corner uh, recalcitrant Republicans and some Democrats on Ukraine aid. That's all this is. One other thing about this chapter, I think there's a very good chance that Navalny's death in prison was not from natural causes, and we certainly know that Putin tried to kill him previously. It is foolish for people who oppose aid to Ukraine or are skeptical about aid to Ukraine to display any kind of ambivalence or affection or fondness or admiration for Vladimir Putin. He's not worthy of any compliments. He's not admirable. He's not brilliant or impressive. He's a thug. He's a killer. He's vile. His regime is holding a great nation hostage. He's enriched himself and his oligarch friends at the expense of the everyday people. When you do that, you just take it too far. I'm a skeptic. I, I want to know where the money's going. I want to know what the end game is. I want to know what we're trying to do. I, I don't believe that, that, for example, I don't believe that Putin is imminently going to invade Poland or Europe or any of that. That is all manipulation, and I see it as that. But that doesn't mean I see him with any kind of ambivalence at all. I see him very clearly. And whenever I hear American politicians or commentators start to stray toward admiring him or being having, you know, sort of mixed uh, emotions about him, that's a dangerous thing. You're giving people like Joe Biden the moral high ground, which he took today. You know, he he came out and made a you know, Basically, a holier-than-thou comment about the whole thing. It's, 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 it's all manipulation. The people that are all bent out of shape about Navalny haven't given a damn about him for years. And the people that are somehow, I don't know, confused about Putin really shouldn't be. That's just my two cents worth. Just wanted to say that. We can talk about it. You've been waiting. Monday. You got through a Tuesday, you got through a Wednesday, you started to smell it Thursday, you were right on top of it, and now it's here! It's Friday! It's time to rock and roll! Break out the speakers! Blow your cars into them! Get home, get to your stuff, and get ready to rock because it's Friday! whoa
Welcome to the Jack Riccardi Show. We're here Monday through Friday from 4 to 7, live on KTSA. And you can also get this show as a full podcast, a full episode podcast. Listen to it uh, anytime you want, nights, weekends. Uh, catch up uh, on shows you've missed on the weekend, perhaps. Uh, those podcasts are at KTSA.com. Pull down the on-demand menu, or you can find the podcast where you find your other favorite podcasts. And one of the things we put in a while back for podcast listeners or anybody, even live listeners, is the Jack Chat line where you can leave your recorded comments on anything that you didn't get through live on. 210-599-5550 is the Jack Chat line. 210-599-5550. Let's check a couple of those right now. Hey, Jack, this is Alan from Spring Branch. I was thinking about this uh, this Hunter Biden investigation and then the furthermore uh, impeachment of Joe Biden. It's so dumb that they're going after Joe Biden for this, for impeachment. I mean, they could go after him for the border and all, a lot of other things where he's ignoring the law. Because the problem with this is, at the end of the day, we all know that Joe and you know, he's corrupt, et cetera. But at the end of the day, there's just not going to be any evidence. There's not going to be hard evidence. I mean, if we haven't seen the hard evidence yet after, what, this came out in 2020, it's now 2024, then we're just not going to see any. It's going to be one of these things where Republicans are just going to look stupid. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we all know he's corrupt, but they're just, they don't have anything to go on mm. other than assertions. I mean, again, we know he did it, but that's not good enough to... To convict someone, so I kind of I kind of share Alan's concern, um, only because I also think I hate to say this, but I think people price into um, politicians corruption and conflict of interest, and you know, it, it, it shouldn't be that way. I don't mean to sound like I'm jaded, but I'm jaded, you know. So he says uh, there should be other things to get. Uh, to go after uh, Biden on in terms of impeachment. All right, another one on the Jack Chat line. Hello, Jack. This is Dan in San Antonio. I heard a dad joke uh, oh. on the Pop-Tarts. Uh, how come there are Pop-Tarts, but there aren't any Mom-Tarts? Why not? It's the pastryarchy. Thanks a lot, Jack. Love your <laughs> show. <laughs> I didn't know where that was going. I was worried about where that was going. I kind of like where it went. We have the pastryarchy. Uh, uh, Will Chamberlain on Twitter. Between the United States and Russia, between the United States and Russia, one country just arbitrarily seized the assets of an oligarch opposed to the regime and is trying to jail him. The other country is Russia. It's pretty good. Do you know who Eli Crane is? Eli Crane is a former Navy SEAL who's a member of Congress, I think from Arizona. And he, I've had this in our little uh, stack of stuff for a long time. We just haven't had a chance to get to it. I want to play this. Um, you liked this, Don, I know, too. Uh, he is explaining, he's at a, this was a, about a week and a half ago, he's at a GOP House news briefing, and he's talking about... Uh, why it wasn't an insurrection and made, made a couple of really good points. Cut number one. Listen to this. Thank you guys for coming. It's an honor to be here. Thank you, Matt and Ms. Stefanik, for leading on this. 
You know what I love about this, watching uh, where President Trump is at in the polls? <laughs> I love it because it shows the American people don't trust you guys. And they shouldn't. Because you guys are full of it and everybody knows it. There's a few honest journalists in this town, but they're very few and far between. You know how I know it wasn't an insurrection? Because he hasn't been charged with insurrection. And we can all see by the lawfare how he's facing up over 700 years in jail right now, how they've tried to destroy this man, destroy his businesses, that if they felt they had an inkling of a chance of convicting President Trump of jaywalking or insurrection, they would absolutely charge him. You know how else I know it's not an insurrection? Because this is the first insurrection in the history of the world where the people that were a part of it were unarmed. It's pretty hard to do if you walk around and see how many individuals are carrying firearms. All right. Last thing I want to say about how I know it's not an insurrection is because I actually listened to the words of the president. If you're trying to stoke an insurrection, you don't tell the people listening, hey, I want you to go over there peacefully and patriotically. Thank you guys for coming. It's an honor to be here. Thank you, Matt and Ms. Stefanik for leading on. The right, if you're so trying to stoke uh, Eli, an insurrection, you don't tell Eli the people Eli I think I think our audio is glitching, Don, so let's just end it there because there's obviously some problem with that clip. But you got the you got the gist of of what he was uh of what he was saying um I, you know it there's very few of them that speak that way and just lay it out there and i, I don't know a lot about him but you always get the feeling these are the people we need but usually these are also the people that will serve like one or two or three terms and go home and really, they all should do that. But sadly, it seems like only the Eli Cranes do that. So, good for him, though. I like what he said. I like the way he said it. Uh, there's news today about the um, Apple Vision Pro, the new virtual reality headset. People are returning them. And the reason they're, reasons uh, they're returning them some people say they're causing headaches. They're giving users headaches. Uh, sometimes after just a few minutes of use, uh, one customer saying, I've tried other VR headsets before. I've never dealt with headaches of any sort. Others said they got motion sickness. Uh, one user complained, I can only use one eye at a time. It's uncomfortable to wear. And yet another consumer said, um, it's too nerdy looking. <laughs> so people are starting to bring them back. Just wait, maybe you'll get a deal, right? Maybe you, maybe you won't have to pay full price. Hey, congratulations to, um, I thought this was cool. I don't know if you saw this uh, when it happened last night. Congratulations to Caitlin Clark of the Iowa Hawkeyes. She became last night the all-time NCAA women's basketball scoring leader. She now has 3,569 career points, 49 of them last night in number 4 Iowa's game against Michigan, breaking the mark set previously by Kelsey Plum of Washington, uh, uh, who set the record in 2017. Uh, so Caitlin Clark is now the highest-scoring Women's basketball player of all time. If you've ever seen her play, it's phenomenal. She's a 
she's like there's like nobody else out there at that level uh and she now has a shot at making even more history in the remaining games on Iowa's schedule she's 81 points uh shy of setting a major college record this is before the NCAA began governing women's sports so the the record books that go back further than the NCAA she could do that with 81 more points with 99 more points she could pass Pete Maravich for the all-time uh men's division 1 scoring record and uh looks like she has a shot at doing both of those so Caitlin Clark will be in a statistical class by herself and she already plays like she's in a class by herself if you've ever seen her there's a report today that some of his aides and some Republicans in Congress would like Donald Trump to deliver the Republican State of the Union response when President Biden speaks. I, I misspoke earlier. I said it was later this month. It used to be in February. It's going to be March 7th. The State of the Union address is always given by the president, and then the out-of-power party designates somebody to give a response or a version, this is how we see things. Uh, the rumor is that people are telling Trump he should do it, but there's no confirmation that he's been asked to do it by Mitch McConnell and Mike Johnson, who ultimately would decide. I think this is a absolutely terrible idea. He'll probably do it because it's a terrible idea. No, it really shouldn't. Mr. Trump, don't do it. Don't don't give the State of the Union response. You know why? Okay, first, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not. It's always a disaster. The response speech is always a lameathon. It's you you remember right, Bobby Jindal, uh, the time that uh, Marco Rubio lunged for the bottle of water. I mean, it's just it's always stiff and. Maybe one of the best ones I've ever seen. I think it was, wasn't it Sarah Sanders last year, Don? Do you remember? Yes, it was. And that was pretty good. But, gen- but she got lucky and generally it's a, it's a, it's lame and stilted and you don't look good. Secondly, I don't really think Trump's strength is delivering a speech. So what he'll do is they'll write a speech and they'll put all the talking points that all the Republican people and speechwriters and pundits and pollsters, they'll, they'll fill it up with factoids and sentences that are not his. He'll get up there and then, you know, he'll do that thing he does, right, where he kind of weaves and meanders away from it and, you know, makes it his own. Don't do it. With any luck, you'll be giving the State of the Union address soon. Do not give the State of the Union response. It's also kind of a swamp thing, I think. You know, it, granted, they've they've occasionally tapped a governor or a state person, but most of the time, it's somebody in Congress, and it, it just he needs to keep his distance from all that. And I think there's more ways it could go wrong than right. And yet, I have the funny feeling that. If they actually do put this in front of him, he'll love it. You're on all the networks. Everybody carries it, right? You're right after Biden. You can make some jokes. 
I have the feeling he's going to. So I think he will. I just don't think he should. We're asking you today on the JR poll, powered by River City Oral Surgery, should Donald Trump be the one to deliver the response? Well, it's a uh, it's a meatless Friday. It's the first Friday of Lent, but we can talk about anything on the dish. We can talk about any kind of food. We can talk about things we can eat, things we can't eat, things you'll have to wait. It's it's all about restaurants, and it's the way you talk to a friend about a restaurant. It's not a restaurant review. Okay, so on the dish, we are asking about your recent or most recent or a recent restaurant experience. Maybe there's a new place that you checked out, and you're going to be the first to tell everybody about it. Maybe it's a place that's new to you. You just discovered it, and you're excited. Or maybe you went someplace, and it went off the rails badly, uh, but that's what the dish is all about. Any kind of restaurant, any kind of price, any kind of cuisine, all around San Antonio and South Texas as well. You make the call to 210-599-5555. When you call on the dish, we ask that you have the complete correct name of the restaurant that you're calling about. That's important. And then you can either praise or zing the experience. What are they thinking? This is bizarre. This is outrageous. Come on. Mm. What are these guys doing? What are Mm. they doing? I think we've all felt that way at (laughs) at one time. Praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience on the dish. Don't hesitate to call about a place we've already had calls about because chances are we've already had calls about it. We love more more and varied responses on the same place. That's great, so don't let that stop you. And make the call to 210-599-5555. Along the way, we'll scrape together any remaining votes for the JR poll powered by River City Oral Surgery, and we'll see how that turns out at the end of this hour but this hour is the dish here on ktsa we do it every friday night last hour of the last show of the week i think a while back we played this for you billy joel has a new song out called turn the lights back on and it's his first new song in many many years he's been touring and playing madison square garden and doing a lot of things he just hasn't been putting out new original music so he put this song out, he, he sang it on the Grammys, he, uh, we had it on our countdown, uh, I think, last week. And now he's dropped the video for this song, Turn the Lights Back On, and there's a lot of buzz about this video. And if you haven't seen it, I, I recommend checking it out. Don Cooper, have you seen it? Have you seen the video for the new Billy Joel song? I have not. I have not. Uh, yeah, no, I watched it today because somebody turned me on to it. It uses AI to portray Billy Joel singing this song at all different ages and stages of his life. So as you watch the video, you see Billy in all these different, you know, times of his life it looks like he's singing of course he he can't be because this is a new song 
I don't know how to feel about it because it's very cool. It's an it's unbelievably real looking. I mean, you 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 really like zoom in on it, and it just looks like there's the 1978 version of Billy Joel singing this song. Got a cigarette burning in the ashtray on top of the piano. I mean, he's got everything. But then you think, I thought these artists were all worried about AI. I thought they were all kvetching about how they were going to lose money and they didn't want uh, AI being used to have them sing songs they had never sang. And, you know, there was all this stuff about how, what if what if they start making AI videos of Elvis singing, you know, Taylor Swift songs or, you know, something, something abhorrent. Um, so it's kind of weird to see an artist do it to himself, but check it out, see what you think. It's called Turn the Lights Back On. If you just Google new Billy Joel video, it'll come right up and you can see what you think about it. We've we've played the song before, but this is the video that's just come out uh, this week using AI. All right, let's start with Jeff on the dish, 210-599-5555. And Jeff, happy Friday night. Welcome to the show. Happy Friday, Jack. Hey, uh, we went to Sea Island on uh, Rector, uh, Ash Wednesday. Um, it was busy. took about 10 minutes before we could even place our uh, order. We get seated, and uh, about 15 minutes later, uh, one of the servers comes with a tray. It's not our order. It's not what we, uh, we picked. So uh, he goes away. It's like 10, 15 minutes later, we're, we're thinking, they'll, you know, they'll get this right. Um, people around us getting food that were behind us. I grabbed one of the uh, floor managers, and I give him our ticket. I said, hey, man, something's not right. You know, we've been here, you know, it's been 30, 40 minutes. He takes the ticket, goes, comes back, and tells me they handed out, you know, those trackers they put on your table so the servers know where to go. Uh-huh. Uh, they had handed out they had handed out two of those same numbers, and somebody got our tray, and they were eating it. So, <laughs> oh. oh man, like, you know, he was, yeah, right. I didn't know whether to laugh or what, you know. So, so what did he do about take it? Take care of it. He uh, he said, "I'll take care of it." And uh, uh, he came back. He brought our food back about ten minutes later. Had our order, everything good. Gave me a ticket and said, "Hey, man, I I." Uh, Put your charge back on the credit card. Uh, this is on the house. We're sorry it happened. And, uh, you know, accept our apologies. So, you wow. know, it took a little extra time, but uh, the man's name was Ray. He made it all right. And uh, I just wanted to let you know they did a good job. Well, I didn't know where that story was going to go because it sounded like you were going to be really unhappy and you did have a tough experience. But, Ray sounds like a guy that they probably need to promote over there, huh? Oh man, I'll tell you, he uh, like I said, we didn't we didn't have you know we we didn't, there was no discussion about it. He just said, "Let me take care of it," and boom, uh, you know, yeah, it took a little extra time, but you know, yeah, it all worked out. Very satisfying that he took care of you guys. I'm I'm glad to hear that. I know they'll be glad uh, if they hear this at Sea Island Corporate. I know they'll be glad to hear it. I'm sure Ray will hear about it. So that was the Rector location. And it was, uh, you said it was Ash Wednesday, right? Oh, man, I'll tell you, it looked like a Christian convention in there. Everybody <laughs> with the asses on. The place was, it was busy as could be. 
Everybody thinks the same thing on yeah on on the Wednesday and then all the Fridays of Lent. Everybody thinks, oh, let's go to Sea Island. Like no one else thought of that. And yeah, half the city yeah, is there. That's exactly what my wife says. She said, "I've got my ashes. We got to eat some fish." I said, "Okay, let's go to Sea Island." And <laughs> but it all it all worked out, man. It all worked I'm, out. I'm glad it. I'm glad it did. Jeff, thank you for listening and thank you for calling our show. Sure to appreciate that. So praise ultimately for the Sea Island. On Rector for uh, and for Ray, the manager, taking care of business. That's I, I. I think I can say this. I know enough people in the restaurant business. I think I can say this on behalf of most people that own or manage restaurants. That's the kind of employee they want. You can't be everywhere. You can't see every transaction if you're an owner. You 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 desperately hope you will have people in your in your store or stores that will take that kind of initiative, that will have that kind of demeanor. And see, they turned what could have been a very negative thing into a, into a positive. And boy, you know, if, if, you, if you don't handle it and it's a fiasco, people tend to, bad news travels. People tend to tell everyone, oh, wait, you got to hear what happened to us on Wednesday, you know. So good on him. Uh, Mike is next on the dish, 210-599-5555. Mike, welcome to the show. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, Jack. Um, I've called a couple times about different restaurants. Uh, this one's about uh, Aspen Creek on 11719 Bandera, uh, just outside of Lotus, basically 1604 in Bandera. Mm-hmm. Uh, their chili is phenomenal, and... I don't normally like restaurant chili. I like to make my own, but their chili is really good. Um, I I bring in my own bag of Fritos and make like a Frito pie out of it, and uh, it's just it's really good. Um, what do they do to it had, that makes it so good? What do you think the secret is? Man, I don't know. It's it's got it's got good spice. It's got good flavor. Um, I, and I also say they're they're. It sounds weird, but they're house salads are incredible. Like normally you get a house salad, you get iceberg lettuce. It's all brown and, you know, not, not good at typical restaurants. This one is really, really good. Um, so I usually get a, a bowl of chili and a house salad and it's, it's awesome. I, I've, I've never had anything bad there. Um, the only, the only, I guess a somewhat a zing I could give it is, their beer prices have gone from, you know, like for for a tall beer, a draft beer was like seven dollars. Now it's like ten twenty five. So, and, and I get it, stuff's going up, but that's a pretty big yeah. hike. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, fantastic. Like, and and it, it used to be chili used to be seasonal there. I don't know if it's still seasonal or if it's year round now, but it is. It's really hmm. good. So that's the thing to get. By the way, I love that you bring your own Fritos. You're my kind of guy, Mike. Uh, you yeah. know what? That that made my night right there, that you bring the Fritos yeah. into the restaurant. That's... They always laugh at me when I come in and I pull my Fritos out. <laughs> my, my wife looks at me in disgust that I bring my own Fritos. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, just know, Mike, that somewhere out there there's somebody who gets you, okay? I right. I get exactly. you on the, I get you on the Fritos. That's That's very cool. Praise for Aspen Creek Grill. We get a lot of calls on this place. Uh, 11719 Bandera, just inside 1604. In fact, I'm looking here. Almost all the calls are praise. Um, 
September of uh, last year. Uh, praise for the ribeye, another good call on the ribeye in May of 2022. Uh, chili rubbed pork chops. So a lot of different things mentioned, and most of them very positive uh, for Aspen Creek Grill. If you're going up Bandera towards 1604, it's on the left, and it's just before you hit uh, 1604. This is the hour where we talk about restaurants. You can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience anywhere around San Antonio or South Texas, like Kathy is going to do right now. Happy Friday, Kathy. Happy Friday, Jack. I went to Alabrije Bakery because of a phone call you had last week. We were downtown at SAC for a musical performance. My daughter did well. We needed a place to celebrate. And I thought, what about that little bakery they talked about? So you said the hours were a little wonky. I looked it up. They were open. We went and we loved it. Tell me about it. So we got a little bit of everything. The lady took enough time to explain to us what everything was. So we got a vanilla concha, a chocolate concha, we had a savory poblano and cheese empanada. We had a little tres leches cake and a little gancito. We took some home. We didn't eat it all, but it was all so delicious. Mm. And what's yeah. it like inside? Is it a, are there tables? Is there is it big, small? It's very small. Um, it's I would classify it as a hole in the wall. Very nice, though. And I don't know if you looked up what alebrije means when when they called last time but it's the little decorative animals that are made with the bright colors and so they have some decorations in there like that with little tables um i guess hmm. the strangest thing to me was they have the tables but we asked for some plasticware to eat our trusletches cake she didn't have any plasticware but that's okay we were able to to find some in our vehicle that, you know, we stash in the console when we go to different places. So, oh, yeah. Uh, but that was, yeah. yeah, that was that was the only thing, but delicious. Oh, my gosh, the conchas were great. And there's a sign on the wall outside that says they won first place for best concha in San Antonio. So, yeah. Wow. That's got to be, there's got to be a lot of competitors for that. <laughs> Alabrije Bakery is 1931 North New Braunfels Avenue. 1931 North New Braunfels near uh, Fort Sam. And, yeah, we had a call last week, and Kathy tried it out this uh, this past week. Kathy, thanks for the call. Have a great weekend. And praise for Alibrije, A-L-E-B-R-I-J-E. I hope I'm saying it right. Alibrije Bakery. 210-599-5555. Gabe is on the dish. Happy Friday, Gabe. Happy Friday, Jack. Love the show. Always listen. Thank you. Uh, the one I'm calling on, um, it's, it's been a favorite of mine for, for some years now, and, and I'm, I'm glad I finally got through to let everybody know about it. It's uh, seems Vietnamese. I don't know if anybody's ever called on it before, but um, these guys started out as a food truck years ago, uh, 1604, uh, Babcock area, kind of like, um, and then they actually moved to North St. Mary's, I believe it's 2803. Um, but these guys make some absolutely insane food. It's uh, it's Vietnamese with a Texas twist. They have a banh mi sandwich in there with its brisket. And, I mean, it is absolutely to die for. I mean, I feel like mm. it's kind of weird because I order the same thing every time. But uh, my wife loves it. We met there today for lunch. We had uh, They had uh, catfish banh mi, or they would put it on some rice for you with the thin sliced veggies. It's just... Everything's just so fresh and 
it's always it, they knock it out of the park every time I go. It, it's kind of far for me, but the exciting thing is is there's uh, they, it's underway. They're actually building back over by Hillsendale 1604 and Babcock. So I'm excited to get finished up. But um, if you ever get a chance, that is a good spot. Everything is just really fresh and it's it's a little different, but it's always it's always very good. Well, that does sound good. I I remember we, we used to get calls about when it was just a food truck years ago, and people were very loyal to it. In fact, they said the same thing you said, that they would drive out of their way to where the food truck was parked. And I didn't know that they had opened a restaurant, so that's that's good to know. 2803 North St. Mary's. Um, what's that like? Is it big, small? How big is it? Small, it's a small laid-back spot. I mean, it's, it's mm. big enough they could they could get you know quite a few people in there. Half of the restaurant is actually a, a bar, which is a, a nice bar. They got good drinks and the, and the overall pricing is, is very fair. It's it's worth it for sure. Mm. Okay. And then you said they're going to eventually move back out to a building back where the Absolutely. food truck used to park. Exactly. They they actually already broke ground. If you if you drive by, you can see the construction. It's huh. uh, it's to the it's right next door to Hills and Dales. Uh, so I'm like I said, that that's closer to me. So I'm excited. <laughs> that is that is very cool. It's good to see them doing so well. And praise for Sings Vietnamese twenty eight oh three North St. Mary's. Gabe, have a good night. Thanks for the call. On the dish, Richard is on the dish on KTSA. Happy Friday, Richard. Happy Friday, Jack. Hey, I just wanted to call and uh, give a praise to a restaurant called ADA Declare. And they pronounce it like I Declare. It's right there right. on the quarry on Joe Schmalzberger. And uh, the reason I'm calling is because, well, I'm, I'm a blind guy, right? And uh, my son took me over there. And, you know, you you, you get good vibes. I, that's who I am. I just get good vibes or bad vibes. And I got some really good vibes there, really good service. The waitress was knowledgeable. The food was excellent. And I just wanted to give it a praise. What, do you remember what you had? Yes, I had a it's a pasta, seafood pasta, and it had mm-hmm. shrimp and fish mixed in it. And then they they put a – my son said it's called crawfish etoute or something like that. It's a sauce. Man, mm-hmm. it was really good. I'd never tasted nothing like that. I didn't even know that place existed. So it's a oh, good. really good Yeah, place. no, I, I like that place a lot. It's it's very unique. Uh, a lot of great, like, uh, southern comfort food. They have beignets, and they do uh, fried oysters, and they do things like shrimp and grits that are not, you don't find a lot of. I mean, they do regular straight-ahead chicken and steak and stuff, too. But if you want to get into some southern stuff. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, but, and it's, but one thing I want to tell people to do, I mean, if they – they they uh, they have a biscuits or homemade biscuits right mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's an appetizer and they'll bring you one uh, a thing of some great I mean uh, raspberry jelly honey butter and uh, a sauce that's kind of like a, like like gravy bacon and gravy mm-hmm. and you can put over the, the biscuit just like having biscuits and gravy and it's, it was really good I was very impressed very nice well I'm, I'm first of all Richard I know you. You and I have emailed each other, but I'm glad you called, and I'm really glad you went to Ida Clare. It's a great place, and uh, appreciate having you. You have a good weekend. You too, Jack. Thank you.
Bye-bye. Thank you, Richard. It's uh, in the quarry area at 7300 Jones Maltzberger for Ida Claire, I-D-A-C-A-L, or C-L-A-I-R-E. So it's like a name, and it took me a while to get the pun. Did You You probably got the pun as soon as you heard it, I declare. I declare. So I was like, well, who's this woman, I declare? Jack's a little slow, getting slower. It's the dish. We're talking about restaurants. We're talking about going out to eat, or as Fanny Willis would say, breaking bread. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, any kind of food, any kind of price, dine-in, get it to go, drive-through, delivery. We're good with food trucks. We're good with all that. 210-599-5555. We were just talking off the air about the first gentleman who called about Sea Island, and he had gone there on Ash Wednesday. And it was kind of a cluster for a while, mixed up and delayed. And and then this manager, this this managerial guy, Ray, comes along and figures out what has happened and refunds the, the money and fixes it and makes it all come out good. And that's, I, I know this is a tough time for the restaurant industry. I know your margins are paper thin and... You're fighting the fight on on inflation and staffing, and but that's the that's what you got to do in order to not get slaughtered on Yelp or a show like this or whatever. I mean, bad news travels faster than any other kind of news, and I don't know about that gentleman, but a lot of people, I think you'll agree with me on this. A lot of people, if they have a heinous experience to tell, they'll tell everyone. You know, and and it will get worse with the retelling, you know. But just little stuff like that, make it up to people, refund, you know, bring them an extra one of these or a free one of the. Just put it right, and then they feel great, you know. 210-599. I know, easier said than done, says the guy that doesn't own a restaurant. 210-599-5555. Uh, drama off the coast of the nation of Colombia this week when, while searching for two missing fishermen, they found a submarine stuffed with cocaine. The submarine was carrying over four tons of cocaine. Intercepted by the Colombian Navy while searching for a missing, two missing fishermen. It's the equivalent of 10 million doses on the street or a month for Hunter Biden. No, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. So, uh, accidentally finding that, the search for the missing fishermen continues. It's rough, right? You're. Hoping they find those guys got distracted by the cocaine. That's how cocaine is. It's very distracting. 
There's always some new dating app out there. You know, you hear about all these different ones that specialize in this or cater to that. This was different. I never heard of this before. There's a new dating app uh, for people with a high credit score. It's called Score. And to be on Score, you have to have a credit score of 675 or higher, which is considered good to excellent by most financial institutions. What do you think of that? Uh, The company behind the new app says users will not see the exact credit score of other users, but that credit scores will only be used to qualify potential users for the app. So if you're on there, it's because you have a good credit score. If he or she in whom you're interested is on there, it's because they have a good one, but you don't know exactly you know, what it is. Hmm. And they said they were addressing the fact that people are looking for a mate who will share their sense of financial responsibility and stuff like that. Hmm. Would you, would you sign up for that, Don? Well, here's my question. Yeah. What if you followed the Ramsey rule of thumb and you had no credit score at all? What are it's, does that make you a loser? Interesting. I never thought of that. Um, I guess we'd have to ask Dave. <laughs> I think that um, hmm. I think this might be uh, they may be onto something here because, as opposed to some of the other stupid, you know, <laughs> you know qualifiers that I've heard, this actually uh, it, it, this would tell you something about the other person. Yes, it's not perfect. No, it doesn't tell you everything, but it probably is not bad for sorting out. You know, who's who and what's what. And uh, it probably gives you like a little bit of an icebreaker the first date. You can can talk about, you know, talk about your financial habits. (laughs) Yeah, or maybe, you know, whatever, your credit card you use or something like that. Superficial Um, conversation. It says that, uh, well, hey, Don, sometimes the superficial one is better than none at all. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, It says that other dating apps are also considering financial qualifiers as an entry for users. Uh, Like uh, Tinder is considering opening up up some exclusive membership versions where you would have to get their approval to be on it, and it would be very pricey to belong. Tinder Select would cost you $500 a month. Wow. See? You know, I, let me just say this, and I won't go too far with it, I promise. Isn't that an irony somewhat? Yes, it is an irony. Yes. If you can drop 500 a month, you can probably meet somebody. I'm just going to leave that there and not say any more about it. I, that's all I'm going to say, because that's all that needs to be said. But all right, score is the is the one that is based on uh, on credit score. 210-599-5555. We're talking restaurants. On the dish, you can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience, such as it is. Thank God it's... I think we did two different wine tours that you do, which are pretty expensive. Um, I think I bought him... He likes wine. I don't really like wine, to be honest with you. I like Grey Goose. Um, I bought him a bottle of wine while we were there and the sippings that you do. I can't remember how many, like four or five different places you go. 
Oh man, she couldn't stop talking about it. She talked about having caviar and champagne. She was like very forthcoming with information nobody wanted and nothing on the actual questions they were asking her. Danny, be tender with my love. Um, boy, you love this idea, the JR poll powered by River City Oral Surgery. You love it. Should Donald Trump deliver the GOP State of the Union response? Yes, said 85%. No, said 15%, which is basically me and a couple of other people. So anyway. Uh, new JR poll come Monday. We go live at 4. Don't forget you can find the show as an on-demand podcast anytime at KTSA.com. This was a good idea. I just had an email from uh, you know, the gentleman that called about Aspen Creek Grill. Don, he just wrote to me and he said, um, is there any way you all could do an occasional regional dish? And I thought, what is that? He said you could concentrate on a particular area uh, around San Antonio or greater San Antonio. He says, the reason I'm asking is because we live in Holotus. There are a few local restaurants that are good, but it seems like all the restaurants people call in about are located uh, at or near the airport or near downtown. Just trying to broaden our horizons. I uh, love the show, so would you consider doing mm. a dish where you like zeroed in on a region? I never thought of that. That's a good experiment. Could Might try have to that. try that yeah. sometime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take that under advisement. As they say, and when we say that, we really, we really mean that. Here's a guy that won't need that new dating app uh, with credit scores. A New York City man uh, has been sentenced to a year of probation and fined five thousand dollars. Done. Calvin Bautista, age thirty-eight, smuggled three Burmese pythons in his pants <laughs> through a U.S. Canadian border crossing. There's a pun. And a oh, there's all kinds. There. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, was he really trying to bring the snakes into the country, or was he just trying to meet somebody, I'm thinking? You know, and I'm just, it seems like, uh, seems like he was trying really hard there. But uh, Who needs a credit and, score? <laughs> and, and I don't know what you get for those snakes, but I hope it's a lot, because he's paying a lot for carrying them. Exactly. We don't need to know his credit score. Calvin Batista sounds like a guy that's got it going on. Only thing is he can't stand still, so... Uh, and finally tonight, a great story about Sir Paul McCartney. This is an, really an incredible story. He has been reunited with a beloved Hefner bass guitar that he bought back when he was a teenager, like in 1961, and was stolen from him while he was on tour with Wings in 1972. It's been gone all these years, like over 50 years. Uh, It's the guitar he used to record a number of Beatles hits, and um, especially in the early Beatles years. And it was discovered in the attic of a home where the homeowners did not know the, you know, the repertoire of the background of it or the explanation for it. Uh, So the long lost instrument. Uh, was uh, posted on social media, and eventually uh, it, word got back, and the the uh, ownership of it, the provenance of it, was established. So his guitar had been stolen in 1972 out of a van. Which, by the way, what what's more rock and roll than that? Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> having your your van, 
your the band's van was broken mm. into. It's nothing more. He paid thirty seven dollars for it. That's in, what it, yeah. In sixty one. It's yeah. worth now over ten and a half million. Yeah. Holy, yeah. yeah. So, mm. Um and there's a whole big story about who stole it and why he stole it and uh but anyway it's been reunited uh with uh, Sir Paul and um now it has even more. I guess you could say, in a way, it has even more like history and meaning and relevance and all that good stuff. So, um, in honor of this happy ending to a week that's had a lot of weird news and a lot of weird stories, we thought we would leave you tonight with one of the songs that Paul McCartney plays that Hefner bass guitar on. And here it is from the Beatles. Love me do. Have a great weekend. See you back here live Monday on KTSA.